All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is the Wallium Mathot Show Live. Now, here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wallium Mathot Show Live. I'm Brent Wallace. He's 13-year NHL veteran Mark Mathot. Uh, Math, by the way, before we get going, this show brought to you by SportsInteraction.com. Uh, Aaron Ward just posted a pic of the Red Wings playing the Dallas Stars um, in an alumni game in Dallas. Did you get asked to go? I am unaware of this alumni game. Um, that's too bad. Yeah. It's I would have thought you would have brought yeah. that up. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know the I worst part is I would have gone. Yeah, I, I 100% would have flown down there. <laughs> ah, yeah, he just posted. I was like, oh, why well. is there an alumni game between the two? But uh, I wonder, like, could you play? Don't take this the wrong way. Could you play a full game? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I could. And I think um, they're probably not hurting for alumni uh because from my experience being down there and seeing how they're treated and the new facilities that was built specifically for the alumni does not surprise me that i didn't get an invite (laughs) (laughs) well i hope next time you get to go because i would have blown that up anyway me too um me too as always as i said uh this show brought to you by sportsinteraction.com go to sportsinteraction.com slash volume of thought uh they are canada's online casino and sportsbook all live daily betting, including all the Senators games, of course, uh, which have been hard to bet on, by the way. So you were gone on your little vacation up the winter. Like they are the most frustrating team to try and figure out. They'll yeah. play great against really good teams and lose to, I don't, I don't know how to do this. I know, I know. And, and, and 
you got to go off the numbers, obviously, but oftentimes, like you just said, despite all the injuries that they've had and some of the big names that are out of the lineup, they're still figuring it out, Wally. It's I, I no idea yeah. at this point how to call these games anymore. It's beyond me. Ah, it's frustrating. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, entertaining. Um, and we'll get into the whole flu stuff that's going on with the team and Thomas Shabbat saying he lost 13 pounds yeah. and all that stuff. Um, also, we got two huge guests coming on the show today. Jason York uh, and Shane Natty, both former Sens defensemen, and both have, they're both into TV world. So we're going to talk about broadcasting and what makes a defenseman suddenly very smart and articulate to be on television. Uh, I figure you guys will have a great time with that discussion um, and a few other things anyway uh, before we get to Jason York I think was just calling in this show is always brought to you by Whitewater beer uh, grab yourself a cool refreshing high tide or Legion lager even a, uh, a blood moon if you will uh, and enjoy some new flavors you can sample all you want new coupon code use the wham show coupon code 15% off uh, Whitewater's brewed by friends for friends they're also the official beer of the Hockey Hall of Fame and you can get delivery uh, to your doorstep in Ottawa, or you can stop by at their uh, restaurant at 78 Cobden Road in Cobden. Uh, great spot there. Um, so I, you've heard about this Saturday game, Meth, and and guys going in and uh, the flu game, which they missed. They only had 5D because Thomas Shabbat's out. Nikita Zaitsev is out. Uh, have you ever played a game with just 5D? A full game? Yeah, uh, several, several times. Yeah, I mean, well... Okay, maybe not starting from puck drop, but there have been times where maybe a defenseman goes down in the first five minutes or something like that, and which is essentially the same thing. I mean, it's, yeah. um, certainly you're not able to plan for it uh, the way that I'm sure they did. So that's that's got to be a huge challenge. I, For me, all I can think is just fatigue, and then you're obviously flip-flopping with partners all the time. You don't have a steady guy that you're playing with. That, to me at least, would be the frustrating part, and that's been the issue from my past experiences. It's just not having that common partner anymore. You're just rotating all over the lineup. Sometimes you're playing on your offside. It can be a real pain in the ass. The um, the question I have is you're missing Thomas Shabbat, who is the NHL league leader in ice time. Like that's aside from going down to 5D, you're missing the guy that leads the league yeah. in ice time. You could you could hide it a bit if you've got him, but now you've got five guys that aren't Thomas Shabbat. And and luckily for this group. This isn't, I, and I always say this, and I'm starting to think otherwise, but this obviously isn't a playoff-bound group, right? So you can afford to have these nights where, you know, your top guy's out, maybe a top player up front's out, because it gives you an opportunity to look at the other players in the lineup and how they handle a little bit more responsibility. Um, you know, in this case, with how thin the back end already is, with all due respect to the, def you know, the defenseman, they can't afford to have yeah. Shabbat out. Just goes to show you how valuable he is, Wally. I mean, that's that was my biggest takeaway over the last few weeks, certainly when he came back from his four-game absence and lights it up, has two goals and assist, it just goes to show you that they're very vulnerable at that position. And unless you've got a guy like Shabbat playing 25-plus minutes a night, obviously there's something that needs to be addressed there. I'm sure this is no secret to the team as well. That's not me slighting the team or management. I'm sure they're well aware of what they need to address this offseason. But, I mean, at some point, you want to become a, a team to be taken seriously – that you need another top four guy. Uh, speaking of top four D men, I'm bringing them both on now at the same time if I can. Jason York and Shane Knighty <laughs> are both here. Hopefully, I don't know how this is going. The Methernet is need is going to be an overdrive today to bring on uh, yeah. two guys that spent some time playing in the National Hockey League and former teammates with two different teams. That's Nashville. You guys played together, I believe, and a year in Ottawa. Uh, 
Yorkie Nighty, welcome to the show. Thanks. I, Thanks. I don't know about Wally, the top four. Good to see you guys. <laughs> you're, listen, you're <laughs> top always four top good guys. Oh, what nights? Yes, the uh, sheriff. Um, by the way, uh, I don't. Let's. I want to get to a couple of topics. One, since it's going on right now, can I just dive right into? uh politics and sports and that's because Ugh. of all the stuff that's happening with ukraine and now all the stuff that's going on with russia so uh quickly you guys have been asked hundreds of questions throughout your career right and i would always go in the room and, and be some topic nothing that i can remember anywhere close to this the question i have and i'll start with you yorkie is is there are, are we allowed as media members to go to russian hockey players and ask questions about this are you are we allowed <laughs> yeah I, I i think we're always allowed but I, like i don't know it's tough i always find it tough when you bring athletes into politics especially guys in the nhl because you know i can remember when i'm playing and i'm sure meth and nides will say the same thing you're just in your little bubble and and you're you're so isolated from what's going on in the real world i actually you're actually kind of I don't want to use the word a dummy, but you just playing in the NHL is such a tough gig to begin with. You don't you don't really pay attention. And I don't mean to to, to say it by they don't know what's going on in Ukraine because okay. you'd have to be an idiot not to know that. But you just you're so focused on yourself um, that you don't I don't think it's fair for those guys to comment because they're not really you know, it's not their job to think about that and, and, and to try and have a, an educated opinion. Um, and the Russian guys, it's, it's, it's a tough spot, but I just think guys that are playing, they're, they're not, they're not really, I don't know if educated is the right word, but you're just, you're in your, you're in your bubble. You've got your work, your family. You, you can't really, to me, you can't really have an educated response to what, to what's really going on. Yeah. You mean, you mean hockey players aren't foreign policy experts, Yorkie? I would agree with you. Oh, Matthew, you, you, you know how it is. Like, I just, and then, and if you say something nowadays and you say the wrong thing by accident, <laughs> you are going to get roasted, not only by the media, but by the social justice warriors. And oh my God, oh, yeah. Matthew, you're getting it once a week on Twitter and you're not even playing anymore. Like, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, I kind of, I kind of poke, poke the bear a little bit when I go there, but I do agree. You have to be very careful. You do. Hey, not, Hi, uh, you're right. And go ahead. I was just going to say before I get to you, uh, Darren Dreger just put out a tweet um, talking to Dan Milstein, one of the agents, who's the agent for Zub, by the way, in Zaitsev. He just said, "I spoke with hockey agent one. He has raised concerns of real threats to his Russian-born clients, both in person and on social media, to the NHLPA and the NHL clubs with Russian-born players. Milstein is asking for additional security for his players in North America. Um, I don't." I don't know that he's wrong. The only athlete that I think you need or allowed, I, I don't know maybe what the word is, but Alex Ovechkin was certainly has been campaigning for Vladimir Putin. If there's one player that would be front and center, I would think it'd be Alex Ovechkin. The rest, I'm not sure, as Meth put it, are foreign policy experts. Well, and just to, to go on that topic, you asked, I think the original question, are you allowed to ask these guys? I, yeah, you can yeah. ask them, but you're not going to get anything. And for the reason that, that Yorkie just spoke about, I don't think they're going to have, you know, a lot of knowledgeable political information to give you. But the other, the other thing of is exactly what that I was going to say, if I'm Russian, I'm not saying anything. What happened to Panarin? 
he spoke out against exactly. was that a year or two ago <laughs> and threats in, in and and yeah we joke about it but this is these are legit threats that come from russia i've been there uh, i've been there a couple yeah. times and, uh, they run things differently there and you have to be very careful and, and you know said the social media world everything there there's ways for people to to send those threats a lot more you know thoroughly now and uh, you know that's i think that's a credible statement about you know concern for these russian players especially if they do have to speak out i think you know they want to just keep quiet and play the game uh and not have to worry and focus on what's going on and you know it's unfortunate it's wrong i'm ukrainian 100 percent on both sides of my family so um but it, you know when i'm thinking of these russian players yeah i think every you're always allowed to ask but you, you, i don't think you're going to get anything at all for for numerous reasons one yeah i don't think you're going to get an intelligible answer back and number two I, if i'm them i wouldn't risk giving anything at all of what i really feel yeah yeah especially uh, i want to switch gears hey wally just i just wanted to mention like yeah like it's easy it's easy for people on twitter or anywhere else to just advocate for these players to speak up or condemn so and so but unless you're in that position and you have family members back in russia or wherever it's like you know that's a very difficult line that you have to toe and you're trying to say the right things you also like there's legit as nides just and yorkie actually both said there are legitimate health and family risk concerns overseas so it's like how do you how do you juggle that that's why like we, we mentioned we have to preface all this with we're not foreign policy experts i don't know what the right answer is like do you do you just send them all out of here and then it's like yeah, good job guys we sent all those young hockey players home it's like what does that really accomplish hey Wally, well that's just, what i just, wondered just before yeah well just before we switch gears um and and the thing with the russian guys it, it wasn't long ago like where guys they get out of the country there and you can remember when nagomi came over and fedorov like they have family back in russia and you don't want to say the wrong thing and it, it just it, it brought up a story that one of my buddies told me i forget he played with mcgillney in vancouver you guys might have heard this one nights in meth when mike keenan was coaching vancouver and he was trying to rattle mcgillney's cage trying to get him to play because you know mcgillney is super talented but didn't always try the hardest so there was one game where Keenan's just giving it to him between periods and he's on him and McGillney looks at him in front of the entire team and he says, Mike, you understand they've threatened to kill my family back in Russia? Do you think I give a, can I swear on this show? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so McGillney basically says, Mike, they've threatened my family. Do you give a fuck of what, of, your threats don't scare me, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole team just looked at McGillney and said, all right, this guy's family is getting threatened in Russia. He doesn't he doesn't give a crap of what Mike Keenan's trying to sell him. But it's it's pretty crazy to where things used to be when you think about it, guys. Mm. Absolutely. That's why it, it, it's such a, like, it's a tough, to put anybody in that position to have to comment on world politics is an awfully tough thing to do. So um, I don't know the answer, but it's certainly... Uh, Scary days ahead, obviously, for the world. I Now this is going to be a tough segue to switch from, but I want to go back to the flu game because, uh, Nides, you played one time in a game that I'll never forget. If I'm not mistaken, you're in the lineup, and that is the <laughs> flu game against the Leafs. Uh, you guys are up 4 nothing. It's on February the 5th, 2004. Uh, by the way, there's no Chara, no Redden, no Spezza. Marion Hossa played 38 seconds of that game or somewhere in that vicinity. Can you tell? take me through this game because – 
by the end of it, you lose 5-4 in overtime on an Owen Nolan goal. I think that's the boo-hoo game um, of what it's like, because I'm yeah. told guys are doing IVs during the game. Yeah, it was not fun. I, I recall it. Uh, so 20 minutes on a normal night for me without the flu would have been tough. And uh, that, I never got those type of minutes. That night I did because of the guys you mentioned. So, uh, you know, I was excited, but I remember, yeah, you just feel terrible. But I think, you know, it's like players with anything. Injury, you, you get into game action and, and instincts kick in. Um, you, you, you find a way to get through it. I'm always, uh, you know, I think that's kind of the way I was brought up. A lot of the mentality of players, you know, is you, you play through anything. And and he found a way. And yeah, I remember that game. We we had the lead. It was going well. And then yeah, it was the boo. Who Ty Domi? I think said boo. Who I, I forget who. It was but, Owen uh, Nolan because we said, "Do you feel reason. bad about?" Oh, was Owen. Do, we, do you feel bad that the Sens? Yeah, the Sens lost because they're all uh, with the flu. And he goes, "Boo who?" Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, was that the worst game? In Minnesota. <laughs> was that yeah, the worst was game? Not, would... I remember on the bench. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember guys like it was it was you know guys going back for IVs and the, in between periods and on the bench guys would leave the bench to run back to throw up and uh, yeah there was a lot going on. Nights, I just wanted to ask. Uh, so, what do you have? What is that on your shoulder there? What is that? You have like a strap. This here. is a sling. So I was talking. I was talking to Wally last week because I was supposed to come on. I ended up uh, getting shoulder surgery on Wednesday. Oh, wow. Uh, I tore my rotator cuff. I had old labrum damage and an old bone spur that had to get shaved down. So, yeah, this is, uh, this is my friend for the next six weeks. <laughs> okay. I, oh, I was on the IR for playing, the first time Playing through TV. injuries. <laughs> yeah. No, I, and, and normally I missed the two uh, Golden Knights games this weekend on TV. Darren Elliott stepped in for me. First games I've missed, but uh, uh, I could have done them, but uh, perhaps the drugs I was on, my producer did not feel would mix well with a, a TV production. <laughs> Might have been your best episodes. Um, I, I, there's I, a couple I wanted, of that too. Did you guys happen to see um, over the weekend the, the Manitoba Moose player that did the, uh, the shootout move, uh, Jeff Mallet or Jeff Mallott? Does the shootout move, scores the winner, and just steps off the ice, which the door is in the corner. Did Have you guys seen this play? So yes. would any of you consider, and what are your thoughts on him not even celebrating? He just went right to the room. Uh, Yorkie, I'll start with you. I loved it. I, I just watched it last night, and I'm like, you know what? With, with everybody and their new sellies, and I see it all the time because I coach junior hockey, and it's ridiculous. Everyone's got uh, this new Sally. I loved it. Score the goal and go right off the ice. It, to me, it's like the, one of the best Sally's I've seen all year because we've been over Sally. Uh, so I, I, I loved it. Well, I, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I thought it was great. Yeah, I agree. I and like Yorkie. I coach uh, high school here, help out, and yeah, the stuff they do. It's you know, there's it, always the old saying, you know, act like you've done it before, and. Uh, I thought it was terrific <laughs> to me, and and this may I don't know, uh, age people, but to me that was the total total George Costanza right there, right? You, you leave on a high note, no no celebration. It's like if anybody remember that Seinfeld episode is one of my favorite. Costanza just walks, oh, yeah. gets everybody to laugh, walk out. That's it. You leave on the high note. <laughs> uh, Meth, would you try anything like this? 
I would never be. Are you like? I still remember sitting on the bench. Maybe Nides, and I'm not trying to pigeonhole Nides here, but Yorkie was more skilled than me, uh, much more skilled. So I like. I remember times where like you know you go through like your eighth, ninth shooter, and guys like Paul McLean or whoever was my coach at the time <laughs> would kind of look over, you know, and I'd I'd look at him and just kind of shake my head and be like, no, 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 no. Like no. I, I didn't want to be in the shootout. And look like a fucking idiot and miss the net or fall or something, right? So I was never a part of it. But I do appreciate the walk-off. I think it's hilarious. And, yeah. yeah, assuming I could score one, I would probably do it too. I think it was great. Um, I did two who... in the old IH IHL. I, I got to go in a shootout <laughs> in the IHL twice. I was one for two. No, And, and for Dima, you don't don't try and just go in and shoot. Just shoot. Yeah. Try and pick a corner. Well, remember – well, Nides and Meth and uh, Wally, a D-man's worst nightmare is to happen what happened to Dennis Weidman. You remember when he yes, did that breakaway yes. and he slipped on the puck and he wiped out <laughs> oh. the corner? Like, like, that. like that has got to be your worst nightmare. You got picked it's for the shootout to wipe out. Yeah, you look up his name exactly. on, on YouTube and that's probably the top clip now. You know what I mean? So, like, what's, it's not worth it. <laughs> No, the the Dennis it. Weidman top clip is him pushing the referee and getting suspended. Oh, okay. that, or the line. Fair enough. Because that <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's when J uh, Chris Weidman was getting all the attention. Uh, for those who don't yeah. know, Jason York, by the way, sixth all-time in Senator defenseman scoring uh, when he played 380 Ooh. games Ooh. here. Uh, he's also sixth in games played. 25 goals, 124 points in five seasons. Um, and Nides, by the way, is 23rd uh, in games played with the Ottawa Senators. Um 189 games he had four goals and 20 points um this so i have one trivia question i want to ask you guys you're not trivia so when it comes to ending a game professionally you've got the nhl shootout what's the best way to end a game in the nfl we'll call it the hail mary the nba you got the buzzer beater or major league baseball you have the walk-off home run if you could end one game one particular way shane Nadi, which way would it be for you I think the buzzer beater, especially when you think of March Madness and, you know, ending with the clock, that, that, that's, uh, to me, the buzzer beater. Uh, Meth. I guess the same. I mean, that draws the most attention, right? That last second goal or buzzer beater shot is, it's kind of a lame answer. I'm just piggybacking off Nides right now, but I can't think of a better. <laughs> An OT goal is, is great. I've scored one. It was... Um, uh, in junior for uh, the first game against Crosby in, in the Mem Cup. I should say the Memorial Cup. That was a big moment for me. So an OT goal, I guess. I'll go with that. Yorkie. Well, because I'm a former baseball player, I'm going with the walk-off dinger, guys. Like, come on. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because it's mano on mano. It's, it's you versus the pitcher. All eyes are on you, and you hit it out of the park, man, and you, you walk in and end the game. For me – the old baseball player me is taking that one. Um, very good. I, I, I you and know I what? Suck the hill, I suck at basketball. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I, I still uh, I can't Nides, believe you... your stats. Yorkie had like the worst shot. And he had all those points. That's what uh, that, that's what astonished. <laughs> that's not a lot of points, guys. Like, come on, like. Well, like, still, like I don't know. I don't know if it's embarrassing. Game, <laughs> I don't know if it's more embarrassing to you or to me because I had a better shot and I couldn't do it. So, it's, uh, credit <laughs> no, to come you. Come on now, I saw you. You're, you could sh you could shoot it hard, but you had to hit the net once in a while. For God's sake, that's true. <laughs>
Jason York, 757 I, I, games, I 42 goals, 229 points. Hmm. Yeah. See, there you go. That's not a, that's not a lot of produ- production, uh, <laughs> but I'll take it. I think that's pretty good. Um, Nige, you talked about playing with coaches in uh, the IHL. Is is that the Baton Rouge Kingfish when Pierre Maguire was your head coach? No, yeah, you know that's a different league. You know, I tried every league out. That was the East Coast Hockey League. That's where I started. <laughs> Pierre Maguire was my head coach in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, for the Kingfish. How did that go? And you know what? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it was a, it was a pivotal point for me because uh, I'd finished junior. I liked it so much. I did under and over age, uh, and I was going to go to Canadian <laughs> University. And and Pierre Maguire called me. And he said, come on down. And he actually restored my confidence. Uh, you know, for, at that point in my wow. career, too, Pierre, you know, had a name. He was a foreign coach in the NHL, so it was a big deal to go play for somebody like that. And, uh, yeah, he loved me. It was, uh, you know, I was, was a coach's pet for a while. Uh, I got in a couple of fights against, at that time, he was like the, the Ogie Oglethorpe of these Kevin guy named Kevin Evans. I fought him twice <laughs> in an exhibition game because I beat him the first time. I had to fight him again. And Pierre loved me from then on. I was only there, I think, two and a half months. And then uh, I got called up to the St. John Flames of the American League and played for the biggest dick ever, Paul Baxter. <laughs> oh, Paul Baxter. I'll say his name. Really? I, I still still can't stand him. Yeah. Why? Uh, yeah, complete what happened? ass. Uh, you know what? It, it just, you know, it's funny because I, I think about if players had to go through now what I went through. Yeah, you know, like, I remember we had our rookie party, and the next day he made us do, like, I was a rookie, and we had some good guys there, and we had to do a two-a-day for the next two days. And he had, we had seven D-men, and he, so he made me and Sammy Helenus, the only two D-men in one line. We did one-on-ones for, like, 20 minutes, and we were only allowed the two of us on one, five in the other line, going all the time. He, he just, you know, that said, uh, you know, nobody bothered me mentally after having to deal with his crap, so... Uh, <laughs> Because you, you had some tough coaches um, while we're on that. Yeah, topic, well, the you, next I mean, year I had Dave, Dave Allison. Yeah, the next year I had Davey Allison. Yeah, in the IHL. And I love Davey. He's the only coach that ever tried to fight me in practice, um, which was great. <laughs> but it was a different time. I remember it was, it was one day he's like, and that was the year I fought. I started fighting a ton in the IHL and whatever. And one day, just in practice, I was and I was young and cocky and, uh, I forget what it was. He, he was going over the tape. He said, oh, Nighty, that's it, enough. You've been covering Casper all year. That's enough. I'm like, Casper? Who the hell? He's like, ghost. Casper, you're covering no one. Casper the ghost. So I got it. I said something to him. He's like, oh, you think you're tough? And he's like, you want to go? <laughs> then the veteran stepped in. But I love Davey. I've talked to him numerous times. And, uh, yeah, those coaches after that, like I said, you go through that early in your career, not much bothers you after. Agreed. Yorkie, have you ever uh, almost Nige, fought a coach? I'll, I'll, he, N- wait. Oh, yeah. Well, Nides, I'll, 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 I'll call your Baxter and I'll raise you a bill of forge. I'm thinking of writing a book, boys, because this book will be a bestseller. I got some stories, you know, <laughs> from all the way from hazings to two a days. We did three a days. And I hate to be a one upper, but, and, and this was in junior <laughs> hockey. Uh, when, yeah. when you're a teenager and you got the Bill LaForge installed, the, the two whistle drill, you'd like this one, Nides. So 
you know, the, the coach stops uh, to stop a drill. You, you blow the whistle once. But for this week, we had hell week to get us ready before the playoffs. If LaForge blew yeah. the whistle twice, what? you had to drop your gloves and fight the closest guy to you. <laughs> and then there's Denny, Denny the Dancing Bear VL is cruising around. He's looking for a dance partner. I'm like looking for corridors. I'm not going near Denny. Because if, if he's fighting for real, you know Denny. Like, so like this, uh, but we're going back to the late 80s when junior yeah. hockey was just different. Like it was, it was an absolute gong show. Um, but yeah, no. It wasn't I, better I, in the I'm early 90s. Too much, but... No, I know. We, we still, know. that was back when we, we did warm up. We did warm ups by our own. One team at a time for warm ups in the WHL in the early 90s. You know why, do you know, do you know, do you know why that is? Well, you probably heard the stories Excellent. because that was back when guys guys like Ken Bob, Baumgartner would go down and steal other teams' net. <laughs> they would take it down <laughs> to their end. Like it was uh, like crazy, crazy. Stu Grimson and those guys. Like, well, you had to be brave to play hockey back then. <laughs> uh, Yorkie, you played for Barry Melrose, uh, Scotty Bowman, Ron Wilson, Brian Murray in Anaheim, uh, Pat Quinn at the Spengler, uh, Barry Trotz, both you did. Um, where does Barry Melrose rank for you? Wow, <laughs> great question. Um, I owe Barry Melrose a lot, and and it's funny as a player you look back to which which coaches uh, kind of helped you out in your career. So my first contract I signed with the Detroit Red Wings was a four-way contract. So. I had a NHL, I'll tell you the NHL, if I made the Red Wings, I was gonna make 120 grand. I got sent down to Adirondack, it was 30, 27 to the Fort Wayne Comets, or 22.5 if they sent me down to the East Coast. And that would be with Mr. John Brophy. So I had plenty of incentive to, to stay in Adirondack. But anyway, Melrose was there and he came to me uh, about two weeks during the season because every single day I'd come to the rink to see if my name tag was still up. And Melrose calls me in the office. He's like, hey, I, I had a bunch of points in junior. He goes, uh, can you get 80 assists here in, uh, in Adirondack? And I said, I don't know about that. He goes, well, they want me to send you down to the East Coast League, but I don't give a fuck. He goes, I like you as a player and you're staying. So Melrose kind of went to bat for me. So I got to stay there, played that entire year there. Uh, we ended up winning a Calder Cup. Uh, which anytime you win with somebody, you always have history, you always remember it. I, I know both of you guys, Matthew won in London, didn't you? And, and uh, not, we've all won somewhere. Nights but you always a Stanley remember Cup. the team, the guys. Yeah. Yeah. So you just remember the guys, right? And uh, in the AHL, like I owe Melrose a lot because if I could have had some other yes man, I probably wouldn't end up playing the NHL. I would have went to the coast and who knows what would have happened down in, down there. You never know, eh, Nides? You, you could eat you up. You could make it out. You never know. But uh, <laughs> but for, for, for me, I, I liked Melrose. He was, but if he didn't like you, man, oh, man, if you cheated the game, we had this guy on our team named Bill McDougal. And Billy was super, super talented, but he always cheated for offense. And finally, Melrose had enough. We turned over three pucks in neutral zone. He came in between periods, called Billy out. Billy lipped back to him. Barry charged him in the dressing room, grabbed him by the throat, and was ready to punch him right in the head. But the whole team had to jump in and tackle Melrose. Because, <laughs> like, you know, we're not talking about 
a coach in the NHL like kicking a player in the bum on the on the bench and they're saying it's assault. No, we're talking about a coach trying to choke you out and and you know that's the way it was. But he was cheating the game and to to Barry that was that was non-negotiable. So like as the players like you lost, you practiced hard the next day. You won after the game, the bus pulled over the side of the road and he'd buy the team a round of drinks. Like it was old school hockey. Uh, we had a team that was so tough. We had four guys with over 300 pims. We had Danny Podfan. So we had the late Mark Podfan, who was a great guy. We had Jim Cummins. We had Kirk Tomlinson, Danny Viel. Um, I don't know if you remember this guy, Nides, Mike Butters, just a, this guy from, he came up from the East Coast League, but these guys were, like teams were afraid to play us and we had skill. But anyways, my long-winded answer, I really like Barry Melrose because he helped me out in my career. So so why wouldn't I like him? <laughs> anyway, that'll I do it for today's episode. We'll uh, talk to you guys. <laughs> uh, you tell I used uh, to do radio meth, eh? You have to kill time on I radio. Love it. Yeah, no, this is fantastic. Uh, Nides, I want to get to uh, your day with the Stanley Cup shortly, but I do want to ask about facing the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, and I can't remember. I'm trying to find it here, and I've lost the script. Is uh, Yorkie, you played two series with against the Leafs, 01 and 02. You got swept in 02. Uh, Nides, I think you were part of that series, if I'm not mistaken, or that year. Both. Um, what was it to both? Oh, what's it like, or what was it about playing the Leafs in the postseason at the beginning of uh, the 2000s that you just could not seem to get beat them? Nides? Well, yeah, I remember remember both of them, the sweep. Uh, the next one probably hurt the most, right? Uh, well, I wasn't there for the following one, but uh, yeah, the 0-2, <laughs> you know, that, that was when we were in complete control, and then there was the, the char yep. penalty, right? Uh, on Domi, uh, no, that's uh, Ricard Pearson. No, he came in. Chara on Domi wasn't at the five minute, and then Chara was out. Is not not the, the one game. where he, he drives Domi to the boards? And no, maybe it was Ricard. Alfie said we would have, yeah, yes. and Alfie said we would have had better balance had Ty, we would have won the series if Ty Domi had better balance. <laughs> that's it. So yeah, it sucked, right? Because the rivalry in Ontario is, is it, it was unbelievable. You, you lived for that game, those games. It was, um, you know, that's part of the reason I think I was able to get on the Senators' team as they needed a little more of what I would bring. It was never fun looking across at that lineup: Corson, Roberts, Domi, Belak. You know, you name it. Uh, I knew I was going to be out of my weight class, um, but that that was the excitement. I, you know, just. I look back on it probably more fondly now. Yeah, it hurts because I think, you know, those teams we had, I always say, you know, you know, you look prior to that 0405 lockout, that Ottawa team was built for today's game with uh, mm. the speed, the talent, the skill they had. Um, oh, yeah. You know, back then the clutch, the grab, it was just couldn't get through playoffs. Um, but talent-wise, just, you know, off the charts and – uh, I look back on those memories fondly. Other than the loss, I thought we should have won that second year. The first year, we didn't, uh, you know, it didn't belong. Wasn't that second series too? Weren't we? Uh, we we spanked them in game one, in Toronto, and game two went to overtime. Right, double overtime. Gary Roberts, is my memory correct? I believe you're right. I gotta look it up. I can't remember all that stuff, but I'll have it here in a sec. Come on now. <laughs> so yeah, we had a chance. Yeah, I, I just, you, I just know we came out of the gates ready to go. 
it was uh it was tough to even for the media covering those postseason games with the Leafs was tough because of the way um even the Toronto media was so behind their team that it was just uh, I just hated those series uh or they be actually I should say they were more entertaining because of all the nonsense that took place uh Yorkie you are an Ottawa guy like you're born in Nepean was it tough for you to not I mean obviously it's tough to lose any series but was it worse because it's the the Leafs I would say my last year in Ottawa, uh, when we we were actually a pretty good team, I think we finished, because back then you had the Northeast Division, I think we finished first in the division. And of course we drew the Leafs. Uh, but I just remember, like, there I, was it Belfour that year? I think it was, because I had lost twice in the playoffs. The, t the previous time it was Curtis Joseph, I believe, but I think this time we drew Belfour. And it just seemed like their goalies just would stand on their heads. And for me, it was it was really bitter because after that year, and uh, Meth and Nides will tell you, timing's everything in hockey. And I was a UFA after that year. And when you get swept in the first round of the playoffs, you're you're you're, you're usually not re-signing as a UFA. So that not only did we lose four straight. But I, I always wanted to finish my career in Ottawa. I loved it here, being from here. We had a good team. Uh, and anybody that plays here always tells you how much you like Ottawa. So the Leafs, in essence, pushed me out of town. Um, and then Yashin left after that year. Um, but, but I'll never remember. We got beat by, like, a Shane Corson, who I think was playing on one leg. Like, he was just beat up. And we should have won that series. We didn't. Um, man, it was, it was tough, though. Like, for me, double-edged sword because – you lose and you leave town. Um, but uh, yeah, those were not fun days, man. It was uh, very tough. And then I, I remember watching that, you know, when I was off playing in Nashville a few years later, you're, you're sitting watching Ottawa and you're like, okay, this is going to be their year. And man, the Leafs beat them again. And the Neuendijk was there. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was uh, that, that second time around for me was very, very tough. And uh, it, it forced a lot of guys out of Ottawa, but it also did a lot of good because when Yashin left, um, I, I really thought the team took, took a giant step forward, obviously bringing in Spets and you saw what he did in Ottawa and then, and bringing in Big Z, like the team then mm. went to another level. Like I was kind of, I was part of those early building block years where you're kind of building a foundation, important years, but the team really got good after that and they made some really smart moves. Uh, Nides, you are correct. You won five nothing game one, and Gary over Gary Roberts in triple overtime in game two. Wow, that's a yeah. long. I remember. I, remember, I just remember. I think Hose had a breakaway. We had we had chances to put it away, and yeah, triple overtime. It was, uh, but it was a good series, and yeah, all, every loss sucks. It hurt more against the Leafs, but you know, when I look back in Ottawa, the lo loss that sucked the most was Game Seven against the Devils. You know, we're yeah. President Trophy winner that year. And, uh, you know, Anaheim's waiting for whoever wins between New Jersey and Ottawa. And uh, came down to, what was it, the final two and a half minutes left? Jeff yeah. Friesen. Yeah, that, Jeff Friesen, who scored three series or three goals in that yeah. series, three game-winning goals. Uh, he, yeah. I, so how long does it take to get over those losses? I'm still not over it. I'm a bad loser. <laughs> <laughs> I was. You never, you never, you never get... Now I got to say, yeah. Now that yeah. you brought it up, now I'm angry again. I was doing okay. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> hey, listen, sorry. No, I, no, nobody holds Wally. I'm still holding a grudge from getting cut from World Juniors back when I was playing in junior. Like, man, you just don't you don't forget stuff that stings. Like, and I think yeah. I can I can't speak for other guys, but for a guy like myself, stuff like that kind of drives you to do better. Though it's like you, you fail, but yeah. it keeps you going, and it, and it makes you resilient. You, you actually do get better from it because. Like Seinfeld, I'll use the Seinfeld here. Spite is a very powerful tool, I'll tell you. It's very powerful. Um, speaking of spite, Alexi Yashin drew a lot of spite with his holdout year. Yorkie, can you take me back as a player? Did anybody care in the room that they don't have the guy that's a 94-point player who's a league MVP finalist? Uh, are they happy to see him out of the room, or are they pissed that he's not there and he's holding out? Well, I sat directly beside Yash in the dressing room. So I I probably knew him for my five-year span as good as anybody on the team. I think he was very misunderstood because I thought he, I thought he was getting bad advice and he was listening to his agent. So as a team, we were like, okay, he's not coming back. He's making a bad decision. Were we mad at him? I'd say we were more disappointed uh but at the same time alfie's game kind of went to the next level at that point and i think then we realized hey this this is kind of the real leader of our team now daniel offertson so you know it was one of those things and it's tough with negotiations and with yash so i i think he was badly misunderstood he did want to win he, he was a good player i thought he got bad advice um when he came back was it different not really because there's certain guys in the locker room, they're there. Um, they don't cause any waves. And I know Yash was given the C. Uh, I think part of that was to, and we see this from time to time, you, you, you try and hope it, it inspires a guy to play harder. So you, so you put the letter on his jersey. But some guys, their level of, of compete is just what it is. It, they can get it to a certain level, but they can't get it to maybe where the real elite playoff performers get it to. And it's not a knock against the person. It's just some guys are just wired that way. And that's why some guys win and some guys don't. It's as, it's as simple as that. And I just, I think with Yash, he was just, he was always going to be a good player. But I think deep down in the locker room, everybody knew the team wouldn't win the big and the ultimate thing with status quo. I'm glad he sat uh, out. Best nice. decision ever. <laughs> well, I, hey, Nides, that's that's how I correct me if I'm wrong, but I got a pretty good memory. I, Nides, I remember Nides coming to camp, and did you try and fight? Can you Yash let me tell at, the story at camp. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yes, yeah, so I was just going to follow up that him sitting out. So I remember talking with my agent. I'd spent four years East Coast, AHL, IHL, back to the AHL. Uh, they traded my rights. So it was with Detroit. They traded my rights to Ottawa. And I've never forgot. I was fishing with my dad and brother. We were on the lake. We were about a bottle and a half of rum deep. And I had to go to this pay phone. The, the camp came over and said, you got to call Marshall Johnson. I'm like, so they said I got traded. I remember going, my dad and brother, like, well, you got to make a name for yourself. Uh, you know, there's a little uh, liquid uh, encouragement there. Uh, and so I remember talking to my agent, and it was a year after Yashin sat out. And there was a lot of ill feelings towards him around the team. So I'll never forget that first scrimmage. I was just praying that I was against them. And we I remember talking with my agent and said, 
just chase them around. I'm like, all right. So I, I, I don't even know if I, I, you could, I couldn't tell you if I touched the puck or if there was one on the ice. That was my only objective. I'll never forget that first <laughs> scrimmage. And he's a big man. Like every time I went at him, yeah. I kept going at him and crossing. Like you're not going to not, you can't run him because he's solid on the ice. But I just stayed on him and nobody touched me. But, you know, it got grabbed by the media. And all of a sudden it was, it was a way to make a name for myself. And uh, it, it, I thank him for sitting out because it did. It gave me something to go in. <laughs> at that point in my career, I needed to be noticed. I was willing to do anything. And I'll, I'll never forget. You're right, Dale York. I just chased him around. I literally went on the no, ice and just chased yep. him around. I don't, I don't know anybody... if there's a puck there or what, but I would just cross, check, hack. I remember Arvin came remember. up once. Matt, saying, well, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, Matt, Matt, just one. So I'll tell you this. Like, we were a, we were a pretty soft team. Like, Nides will tell you this. So there was an opportunity for – like, we usually only had one tough guy. And, and the yeah. way we played, it was turn the other cheek. So Nides was a breath of fresh air. And, like, my comment on Yash, it's like nobody was really going to do anything because we're – guys were kind of happy. <laughs> that, that was my follow-up. It's not that, that, like, that we didn't like Yash. Because you yeah, do that, you like, do that in that today's like game. Him. If you got some new player coming in and he's chasing around your star player, someone's going to do something. So, yeah. so no one went near you, Nides? <laughs> no one went near me. I remember, like I said, I, Magnus Arvidsson came up and said, well, you shouldn't do that. Or I forget what Arvidsson <laughs> said. He, and he's not going to do anything. Um, no. But, yeah, and, and it was kind of – and it was even around the league that year. Like, not only that lead to get my name noticed, Yash also kind of led – uh, to me getting my nickname. And Yorkie and Donnie Brennan can argue it out. I don't know who, who wants to take claim for it, but we were playing the Florida Panthers and teams would still challenge. Like back then, the guys looked down on somebody to sit out a year, right? It was unheard of then. Nowadays, it's, you know, it's business. Yeah. Guys are more business-minded. Yeah. And we were playing Florida and Peter Worrell and Todd Simpson cornered Yashin in the corner. And I came, <laughs> it was during game, and I came flying in to, to fight them both. And Next day, the headline was Sheriff Shane Knighty. And I'll let Yorkie finish. Donnie Brandon wrote the story, but Yorkie says he's the one who, who claimed it. <laughs> yeah, we, we were calling you that before then, but I'll let Donnie have his day. Poor Donnie. He's had a tough goal. We'll give it to him. So, because um, I remember that practice and covering it and going, nobody really went – over to try and stop you from going at Yashin. Like it felt like the entire team wanted you or somebody just to kind of settle this, like a brother brother thing. Like someone's going to have to make yeah. you eat an uncle sandwich and then we're all going to move on. And that's the way it felt when once that was over, there was nothing else that year that I can remember. About it's Yashin. amazing to me that somebody thought it was a good idea to anoint him captain. Like that alone says everything you need to know. Like I'm not saying he's a bad guy. And York, you touched on that. Yeah. I don't need you to repeat it, obviously. And I'm sure he's, he's okay. But, like, obviously not a captain, no? Well, that's kind of the, the hope that we, we all kind of knew that he was he was being given the seat to make him play harder. And that was the hope. And it was <laughs> yeah. weird. It was it was a weird thing. But at the time, we didn't really, we had Randy Cunningworth before that. He was an unbelievable guy, older guy, 35 years old, fighting, working, like, respected the entire team. And then... They gave it to Yash, um, but it was it was more you know you some teams used to do that. I know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, like 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 when Ovechkin was given the captain in 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 Washington, did he really deserve it? Not really. Like he didn't play a two hundred foot game. It's like 
like this guy makes the most money. You get like, it's not the first time that a mistake has been done. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad before we that. forget, yeah. go ahead. No, I'm just saying, say I, I love Yash too. And I think Yorgi's right, but I, it was, uh, I was, the, that, that started my career. He's got a, he's got a big stake on uh, helping me out. So. I don't know if he watch if he I'm sure he watches this, so thanks, Ash. <laughs> he never misses an episode. Um never misses one. The, yeah. uh, <clears throat> so what was the most fun that you guys had that you can remember as teammates in Ottawa? Or you did play a year together in uh Nashville as well. Yorkie? Or maybe you didn't get along. These two in Nashville, no, that would be deadly. No, Nige, you go, you go, you go first this time, and uh, I'm talking too much. <laughs> well, there's a no. You're good. There's a, you know what? I loved Otto. I think we we're. I was lucky, guys like Yorkie. We had a lot of good leaders. Zams, uh, you know, a lot of fun guys. I was kind of, you know, my first year. I'm a, I'm a small town Manitoba kid, so I was always game for anything. Uh, we had a lot of fun there. I think Nashville, my best memory, I think we were both there for the you know first time that franchise made playoffs. Um, so that was that was a unique experience for me because you know that was right before the lockout. Um, it was I loved Nashville. I got traded there at the deadline. I always say I spent a year there once in three months because I was there. I got traded in March and uh, <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, I, I loved it. Um, <laughs> And it was pretty cool. That town, you got to see what it, what it has become, right? It's become a hockey. And then you see what happened when they went to the finals, you know, in 2017. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I still love Nashville. It, it was a great spot. I would have loved to have stayed there. But I remember they traded me after the lockout. David Poyle called and he said, uh, he said, yeah, we're good. We got this young right-handed defenseman that's, uh, you know, Milwaukee. We think he's got potential. He's physical. He's big, strong. Traded you to Atlanta. <laughs> Uh, that's why he's still a GM. It was Shea Weber. Uh, good decision. Uh, that was pretty smart. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right. I'll definitely, I'll agree with him. That was the right call. But, you know, Ottawa, we, it was my first time in the NHL, right? So I was new to everything. I'm a car from Ford there. It was a baby blue Taurus. Uh, the guys chirped me. I was just happy to have a car. It was, uh, but I, what I loved about there was an easy transition because it was being a small town Canada kid playing in a small Canadian city. Yeah, it was great. I, I had a lot of yeah. fun there. Yeah, I just, I, well, one thing I always remember in Ottawa is whenever we'd go out on the road, I just remember Nides and Jamie Rivers, they were always up. You wanted to go for a beer? Nides would never say no, and neither would Rivs. So, like, if, if I wanted to go out, I knew I always had a partner in, 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 in Nides. And, uh, you know, it was good. He was just a great teammate. Um, we had lots of fun in Ottawa. I don't know if you – were you part of the team, Nides, when, when Jacques was hiding in the lobby in Florida? No. And, uh, we, what? We, if you, we, oh, my God. No, I missed we had, that. We had, a game in, we, we had a game in Florida, and uh, – it was an afternoon game and we lost. We didn't play the next day, but we were going to stay over. And Jock was pissed. He's like, no one's going out. Everyone back in the room. But sometimes an executive decision has to be made. So we, the older guys on the team, said, guys, we're going out. Everyone's going out, non-negotiable. So the whole team goes out and uh, guys are out pretty late. And uh, the next morning on the plane ride home, Perry Pern's like, uh, 
meeting as soon as we get back to the rink. We're like, oh shit, something's going on here. And so we get back, words come out that Jacques was hiding in the lobby behind a cactus or something and nobody <laughs> knew he was there. So we get we get back to the room and nights, you know Jacques, eh? he's a quiet guy and oh, he's yeah. got a piece of paper in his hand and, and he's got the exact times of when everyone went home. So he starts <laughs> off with somebody, what time were you home? And he goes, uh, one o'clock. And Jacques like, try two thirty. He goes, he goes around to every guy in the room. You remember Andreas Dackel nights? Yeah. So Dax had this little. He had like a Swedish, like a very high, high voice. And uh, we used, this went on for like two years after. He goes, Andreas, what time were you home? And he's like, three uh, forty-five. And he goes, try four <laughs> fifteen. And he just said, Dax. So they get to a guy at the end of the line. It's Krister Olsen, and he's another Swedish guy. And the Swedes are just beauties. Eh? They're the best guys ever. Oh, yeah. You've never met a bad Swede. So he gets to Olsen, yeah. and Olsen's got his head down, and uh, he looks at Jacques, and he's like, uh, there's an afternoon game. And he goes, uh, 8.30? And Jacques looks at his list, and he can't find Olsen's name on it. So he goes, okay, good. And he moves on. And Olsen's like, can't believe what happened because he came home at 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> so it's the, it's the old thing, eh? If you're going to be late, be really, really late. Because <laughs> John oh, yeah. finally went to bed and Olsen came in the next morning. But this stuff like that, eh? It's amazing. You, the, yeah. That's the stuff you remember. And uh, I agree with Nides yeah. on Nashville. Like, Matt, just an unbelievable place to play. Barry Trout's one of the nicest men ever. Yeah. Um, so I just I just remember playing there when Nides came. He fit in like a glove. It was great. It was awesome. But uh, man, yeah. I miss those dressing room stories. Like uh, yeah. that's the stuff you live for. Well, Jacques Jacques should have upped his game because Bob Hartley had that routine down better. He'd get a jersey <laughs> and get someone to get signatures as the guys came in. Yeah. Oh, I've heard that. So he knew who signed. So then he knew who was late. Brilliant. <laughs> so what's the most trouble either one of you have gotten into or has there been any trouble for, uh, by the coaching staff? Oh, boy. Well, by the coaching staff. Yeah. Well, if you want to expand, that's, go that's ahead. A tough I was just one. trying to the say best, the, one that, the only one I can think of, obviously, there's tons of NHL shit that I won't even mention here. Um but I was basically kicked out of Team Ontario under 17 camp. Um, I was bawling my oh, fucking right. eyes out too because there was this big investigation because guys were, were all staying in dorms, right? Like a bunch of 17-year-olds staying in dorms. So we're at like York University and I'm like, you know, guys are ransacking each other's rooms. So I remember grabbing a couple mattresses and throwing them down the, the stairwells, like the fire stairwells. And they did this thing, and I didn't think it was a big deal. And I admit it, they brought us all into this room, like one by one. Like in, like they were literally just sitting us down, these young kids, and like grilling us. And you had a like a, a round table of all the heads of the team and, and of the, uh, Team Canada. And I'm like admitting to what I did, not thinking it was that big of a deal. And in the end, they're like, well, I'm going to gloss over everything here. But basically, the gist of it was like, we're going to let you finish the camp and you know, we're very disappointed in you. This is the, like, basically made me feel like I had committed a serious crime. And I still remember my parents being there. It was just a fucking nightmare. And I look back at it now and realize how ridiculous the whole thing was. You know what I mean? And even still, I remember 
playing against Bissonette in the OHL that same, the year, the following year. And he was like trying to tell vets on my team that I was crying at the U17 camp. Like the whole thing was a fucking disaster and it like carried on the next year. So uh, like, just goes, the, my point is, you know, you look back at some of this stuff and you realize how insanely ridiculous it was and nonsensical. Like you heard oh, yeah. Yorkie and Nides talk about the coaches tracking full and grown adults what time they're coming into the hotel at. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, that's why I think in the NHL, I don't remember a coach trouble because I'd always work my way out of it, right? Like, whatever you're going to do, all right, skate me, whatever. I think the junior stories. One story comes to mind. I had a coach threaten to ruin my career. I was captain in Prince Albert in the Western League, and it was the all-star break. My billet, we threw a party. We took keys, everything. Two of the young guys ended up getting in a fight. They smashed through a table. <laughs> One split his ear open, had to go. So we lost two players that way, and then – uh, our goalie at that time, who was a 20-year-old overager, somehow got his keys and he went through the McDonald's drive-through backwards uh, in his car. He got locked up. Then we had to go get him. They, they, my assistant coach took me in there and he's like, "You got to come with me." And he's climbed. They, they showed the video of him. They said, "Is this your guy?" He was climbing the walls, like climbing the cage, and like barking like a dog. And so the next day, the coach came in and he said, "You're supposed to be in charge." Your career is over. This is it. And we got over. You move past that stuff. Yeah. 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 So I, I would say to, uh, to, to the point, I, 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 le I learned early in my career, Wally, if you're going to come in late, come in really late. Yeah. Because my first year, second year in the minors, I came in, curfew was at midnight. I came in at 1230. It's me, Bobby Bugner, Jamie Pusher, and I think Chris Osgood playing Bush. the minors. And we, we never thought, what a good man, eh? And, oh, uh, anyway, I don't and we run right into Doug McLean, right into Doug McLean, who's the uh, GM of Adirondack at the time. And Dougie sees us, he's coming back from the bar. He looks at us, he's bitter. He's like, so I jumped in behind a bush. Boogie jumped in the elevator and he caught Push. So Push is sitting there and he goes, <laughs> who was with you? And he goes, you tell those fucking guys, if you guys don't win tomorrow, your friggin' careers are over. <laughs> so we get to the room the next day, guys, we gotta win this game. Like we missed curfew, but Dougie McLean was an old school guy. He got it, and he was out every night anyhow. So it's now. Exactly. Yeah. Meth GM. Not Columbus. anymore. Um. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nides, I want to ask you because you get to brag a little bit, and that's about your day with the Stanley Cup. Since you're the only guy on this panel that has a Stanley Cup ring that I'm aware of, um, can you take me through what it's like to have your own day with the Stanley Cup? Yeah, uh, well, it's what, you know, you waited for. Mine's interesting because it, it kind of coincides with what my next career will become because obviously living in Nipah, Manitoba, there's not a direct airport. Uh, so you got to fly into Winnipeg uh, with the Stanley Cup. And then we took a limo to my small town, about 3,500 people uh, in Manitoba. And that was when I got a call from TSN asking if I'd be interested in being the analyst because the Jets were coming to Winnipeg from Atlanta. And I said, well, I'm a little busy right now. Let's talk after the weekend. So, yeah, we went, uh, we went to my hometown and my parents' place, close friends and family, a backyard party with the cup. And then I, I went to my local uh, rink, uh, the arena there. And I think there's a lineup of 1,500 people, which is a lot for a town of 3,500. So I think I did pictures and autographs for five hours. Wow. Because, you know, that's what it's about. All those people, the surrounding communities, 
they'd never seen anything like this. Yeah. So I think that that was probably the most special is to share it with them. And uh, yeah, after that, we stayed. We went to the, the community hall there that's attached to the rink and through a good old Manitoba social, which is basically a party, sell drinks, music, DJ, and then donated all the funds back to the community center, the arena, uh, nice. and partied. Um, and then uh, I guess I can talk about it now. I think I'm out of trouble now. Uh, we, my buddies, uh, we, there's a picture I think they put up uh, when we won the champion, Pee-wee? Pierre Adam, they had our jerseys from there. Well, a couple of the boys, the jerseys were a little tight. I think it was put on the, that year, the Hockey Hall of Fame page might have had the picture. We went up and celebrated in the dressing room. It was like the boys got to drink out of the cup, a uh, few of my guys that I won with. Uh, we had these tight, tight jerseys on. A few of them uh, yeah, really, really filled them out. Uh, we did that. And then, uh, then, in a, then it was a close party back. Uh, my dad keeps his garage cleaner than anybody. You know, he's an outdoorsman. Everything's in its spot. It's clean. So we went back for a garage party. And there's a keeper of the cup. And the keeper of the cup, if this is the benefits of a small town, if anybody's out there and wins, I don't know if they do it now. They have to take it back to a hotel room usually. So he's booked. I think there's one hotel. I don't know whether there's a Super 8 or the Days Inn in Nipua. It was one of the two. I think there's only one. I can't remember the name. Shouldn't say two, one. Uh, but it was getting late, and he's like, yeah, I got to take it. Now, my mom, I don't know if anybody met her when she came to a very outspoken hockey lady. says, you're not going anywhere. You're not staying in a hotel in my town. The basement room's made up. You can stay here. So he didn't have a choice. Uh, we stayed, and we party. We got, we got to party with it right through the night. Eventually, I fell asleep, and those I had some friends who came in late, and they, like, so they they did a bunch of pictures, which uh, they're they're locked away, of me posed around that <laughs> cup in a lot of different positions, a lot of different props, a lot a lot of different situations, and then they got to enjoy it. So you know what? It, it covered all the bases. Uh, first family to, to experience it with them, friends who'd supported me, old coaches, teachers, and then just the community, right? So kind of covered all the bases. It was uh, it was a day I'll never forget. Nice. It's so good. Um, by the, by the way, is you've, you've done a few great cities, obviously Nashville and whatnot is Vegas, the best city for you to live in. Are you living it up in Vegas? Cause we're all jealous. I, and it's interesting because, you know, I've always loved Vegas for the same reason everybody else does. You go down, you go to the strip, but, uh, yeah, this, I, I've lived a lot of places, I've moved around. This is it. This is home. This is, uh, I'm fortunate. I kind of consider it semi-retirement, but it's not. Uh, just because I, I'm fortunate to live, I can golf any day of the week. What people don't know, I can literally drive 50 minutes and go snowboard or ski if I want. There's Lake Mead. You can you can almost snowboard. There's a time it hits where you can go wake surf and then snowboard in the same day. It's coming up here soon. Um, but yeah, I think the great thing people don't realize is, you know, where everything's set up for the Golden Knights out in Summerlin, practice facility, all the guys live. It's I, I always give it the best comparison is it's like living in Scottsdale. It's the same, the, the great, you know, shops, restaurants, you know, schools, doctors, all that stuff exists in Vegas. But if you want 20 minutes away is, uh, well, we all know any, any meal, any entertainment, any show. And, uh, you know, it's a first class organization that uh, is, is done. They've just done everything right since uh, fun. Um, I always knew it'd be success, but not in my wildest dreams to, to what it was. It, uh, still look back on year one and shake my head, but uh, it's been a lot of fun to be along for the ride. Nice. 
Uh, Yorkie, how's Nepean? <laughs> oh, let me think. What is it? Minus 17 today. Uh, I'm heading to Smith Falls soon, though, to coach a game at 530. That's going to be lots of fun. Nides, can you Wonderful. brag a little uh, bit more about how great Vegas is? I know. It bothers <laughs> jealous. me so much. I would, I would, I would so say, angry say right, right now. now it's going to be, what, 22 today. I'd love to hit the links, but I'm off the golf course for three wow. months. So that, oh, that's uh, there you go. That's all right. A green card. Yeah, so... it's pretty good here. Like yeah. Nights, can you visit. call up any sh any casino or whatever and just get tickets? Like, are you that connected? I know Gary Lawless is. Uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty uh, this this city is built. It's a very connection city, right? It's who you know, and the other thing is it's it's a relatively small city for the people who live here, and you get to know a lot of people and. Yeah, I'm fortunate that if I if I want to do something, there's usually usually a way to to call up someone and go, or whether it's a meal, a show, a concert. Uh, what well, it, it's been pretty. Oh, geez. <laughs> you, hey, got to play the parts. Got to play the parts. I love yeah. it. I love it. You're so stylish. He's got his own arena. I, I credit my mom. That's great. Double-breasted suit, too. Look sharp, brother. You are, like, very fashionable. There's a couple. I don't know. Alex, do you have a couple of pics, or have I just sent you that one? Um, you, there. You, so that's got, by the way, if you can't tell, the Vegas Golden Knights logo on yeah. it. Um, that is, that's sweet. You said it's all about playing. That one's not so good. That's, a, that's like a bag. That was a Christmas suit. Actually, you know where I got that suit? That was for my first game working in media for the first playoff game in Winnipeg. No, there you go. A white suit for the whiteout. <laughs> right, right. That's good for you. I don't even know what to say about that. I want to do. I want to ask the three of you a question, and that is, uh, what makes? And we've seen Kevin BX is another guy, and Cheryl Pounder's a defense. Like all these defensemen, so good at doing TV as opposed to forwards. What is it that's in your makeup that allows you to be able to articulate better? Yorkie, I'll start with you. Say most D-men are unselfish. We're team players, like, uh, and, and that's what makes I think makes a good broadcaster. You got to share. You got to let other people talk. Um, and who we see the whole game. Besides the goalie, everything happens in front of us. And there's an old saying for defensemen: you never trust a forward. Never, ever, ever trust a forward because they'll screw you over and they will not pick up their man on the back check. D-men are a tight group. We're, uh, I like to think we're all smart. We all know what we're doing. And uh, yeah, we're all good broadcasters. I love how you all nodded at the same time when he said, don't trust a forward. Yep. Well, never, I, ever. I, I was nodding. It's, it's like, an I, unwritten rule. Uh, can you can you cut that one and I can send it to Ray Ferraro? <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, no, on no, this I, date, by the way, he played his 1,000th NHL game. Yeah. Well, Just no, I think Jorgen's right. I think the ability as a defenseman, and, and you know, I think it goes to the individual too. There's a lot of guys that that I've tried to help in this business that you put in front of a camera or a mic, and just uh, they're great in conversation. So you got to first of all, you got to be have the ability to communicate and to speak. But I think for defensemen in particular, yeah, it's seeing the whole play, uh, the ability to you know, I think defensemen are. You know, especially when we came in, you were taught the game and you had to understand and have that intelligence to play the game. Forwards, you know, you're able to rely a little bit more on your creativity and your skill. 
for me, I knew early on that wasn't going to be my strength. Uh, I had to understand and play the game with my mind and, you know, and add physicality to it. You have to find what works for you. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, that and at times, I, you know, spent a lot of time in the middle of the bench watching the game where you get a good view too. So I think that helped uh, <laughs> for me. But I think it just, you know, the play develops in front of you. Just as they said, you know, a lot of goalies can read the game. And I think a defenseman certainly the same thing. And, and if you wanted to be good, you had to think the game as the defenseman. Uh, I think that's got to, you know, it takes a little longer, but you do where forwards can get away with just, just that skill aspect. Of course, it's evolved now. We're seeing such skilled young defensemen now. It's incredible. And I'm glad mm. they're coming now and they weren't around when we played. Well, they yeah, were, they but they're a lot and, fewer. Yeah. <laughs> no, and just like, I'm not going to repeat everything the boys just said, but I, at least from my perspective, just we don't take ourselves too seriously either. I think being, you know, self-deprecating is huge. Knowing that you don't know everything but the, you know, all that encompassing with your personality is, is huge. Like you could go up there and be an X's and O's guy and talk numbers. Nobody gives a shit. You know, you want a little flair, a little personality. You want to be able to explain things that people can understand. I think that defensemen are very good at doing that. All right. Last question before I let both you go, because I took more of your time than I told you I would, is uh, Jacques Martin. Uh, can you both give me your favorite Jacques Martin story? Uh, uh, Nides, I'll start with you. I love Jacques. He gave me my start. Uh, you know, my favorite Jacques Martin story, and this is this goes to how the game's evolved, right? So, and maybe a reason why I was kind of defined as that defensive defenseman. I remember one day he came up to me. There's a couple of Jacques stories. This this will be favorite with me. Um, you know, Jacques wasn't the communicator. Or he didn't get to know his players individually. But I remember I went, I, I pinched down once and tried to jump down and practice. I, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, whoa. Top of the circles. Uh, there's the blue line. No, no, no. You don't need to go further than top of the circle. Stay back. Stay back. You know, you just uh, chip pucks deep. Chip pucks deep back in. And, uh, you know, that was a fit. You know, it was the other thing. I, I, I think he asked me once for a skate around in practice. I think he did it with Alfie once where he asked Alfie, oh, you still got that orange Volvo? Like, no, I sold it two years ago. I think he asked me, oh, so did your wife have the kids? We had two kids when we lived in Ottawa. I'm like, yeah, she, she's four months old. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, we had her. Don't, don't worry. Uh, but Jacques, Jacques was great. It just, you know, he didn't exactly have the most, uh, booming personality, but you know, now that I've talked to him since I've been away from the game, completely different. That was just the way he coached. He is. Yes. He's a different guy. Uh, Yorkie. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that not that Nides hit on those. Uh, it's almost like he had it written down on a piece of paper. The conversation he would have, okay, have to make a note, have a conversation with Jason York, and it was the same <laughs> thing every single time. You're kind of uncomfortable. You'd see him in the yeah. bagel room, Yorkie. How's the family doing? Uh, things are good. Yeah, kids. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay, Jack. Yeah. Okay. And then that was it. But uh, but now I'll agree with Nides. I'll see Jacques at a rink. Uh, or wherever, and, and we're talking, we're laughing. I think it was just when you had Jacques, he was the coach, you were the player, and it was it was very black and white, and he, he didn't want to mix the two together. But mm. I coach now, and I find myself doing all these Jacques-isms. Like, I make my players chip the puck a foot high off the ice, and if they don't do it, they got to do it again. Like, Jacques had this little wooden Peter Forsberg stick he always used, and you had to – I just remember he had to chip it over his stick. We used to practice nights. Remember dump ins, 
the dump in yep. had to be up on the glass or a soft chip. Like he was so particular. And I think that's why we won. Like we didn't have the most talented team, but he was just so stingy and just, you had to play a certain way. And with Jacques, it was, he was a great teacher of the game. Like probably not probably he's the best teaching coach I've had, like little things. He and Craig Ramsey and Perry Pern just, I thought brilliant coaches, but social skills, not so much. It was uh, very, yeah. uh, very awkward conversations when you're getting a bagel and you just couldn't wait for them to end. And, but, but now totally different. What was the analogy? He was on our show. He was fantastic. Yeah. Somebody, somebody said the personality of a brand muffin. (laughs) (laughs) So that's great. That's what sums it up. After after every single game, it was the same thing. Food, rest, and get some liquids. After it'd be on the board after every single game, win or lose. Food, rest, and something else. It was just, it was Groundhog Day every day. But hey, I guess that's that's the secret, right? Yeah, yeah, it worked it for him for a while. Absolutely, um, guys. I appreciate you. If there was ever a show to be sponsored by a beer, it would be this. I would have gladly sat and drank beer with you guys all day. Um, so I appreciate you stopping by, uh, Nides. Seriously, I hope you get healthy soon so you can get back on the golf course uh, and get the wing under control. And uh, Yorkie, good luck coaching with the Kempville seventy threes, my friend. Take care, boys. Cool. See you later. Thanks for having me. And send the invite when the beer's on. (laughs) (laughs) There goes Shane Knighty and Jason York, two fantastic uh, defensemen knights, uh, or by math, I should say. Um, By the way, uh, part of the show brought to you by BEI, Bonisher Excavating, Inc., helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. Uh, If you're looking to get stuff done in the spring and the summer, go to BEI.com. BonisherExcavating.com, I should say. They'll take care of you. Uh, Great conversations. Like, I... I love it when you can just talk to guys and the, the stories just come out because the stuff I had written down to try and talk about and with you and stuff, and we're going to talk about Jack Eichel and the Knights, just I threw it all away. There's no, no it doesn't. I'd rather hear, well, I'd rather hear their old war stories, especially when it involves yeah. Ottawa. I find it so interesting, right? And, and they're like that, they're that generation or two even. I, I don't want to date them too much, but they're that just It's, it's the pre-social me, right? media. Like I was... Like I was still pre-social media uh, in my early years in the NHL, especially in junior. But I mean, these guys are on another level, and and I can and a lot of their stories rang like I could resonate with a lot of them just with how hard things could be and how hard the coaches were. Which is, I think, why there's times where I'm like, in today's landscape, I can come across a little insensitive. It's that old school mentality, just because. And I'm sure you can relate to it to a degree as well, Wally. Where we're just we're sort of products of that old school environment. And I'm not pretending that I'm. Oh, yeah. I played with Phil Esposito or something like that. I'm not saying that, but but the philosophies no, but, with coaches and the dynamics are way different now than they were even 20 years ago. So take, for example, if you went and fought Alexi Ashen in today's game, how oh blown God. up on social media that would have been. Wally, like, you probably would that, have had to get traded. Not well, maybe, but but not only, but but even in the moment, um, I would have been jumped by like three players, you know, like, like, cause now you see a lot of these dog piles, right? Like where there's a big hit, it could be clean. I still remember back in those days, I'd watch those old Rock'em Sock'em clips or even during the lockout Wally, I was watching some of the old school Toronto games that they were playing on TSN or any of the other networks. And there were like, there were some big hits, guys taking runs at each other and there weren't, they didn't have to fight after like the fighting, 
was maybe a little more staged. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but now, you know, I take a run at a skilled guy or anybody now that's currently playing and you have to, you have to fight immediately. And that's something that it's just, yep. it's changed. Right. I don't know. Yep. Could you imagine being at the end of your shift and having to fight? That's one thing I didn't oh. realize early on. I talked to Chris Neal and he's like, I'm like, why didn't you fight there? He's like, it's the end of my shift, Wally. And then I realized, yeah. so I've always watched that to see where they are in the shift because there's no way guys want to drop the gloves at the end. So, and so on that now, note, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So on that note, um, wasn't my first fight. It was one of my, one of my fights in my first year. And I, I Derek Broussard got laid out in, in Arizona and Phoenix at the time. And it was Bissonette that laid him out. So I had to fight Biz. Um, I didn't throw a punch. Like now he didn't hurt me either. Cause I was strong enough to hold guys off, but but to that topic, I was at the end of my shift. I was exhausted. And I go to challenge him, and right away, his gloves come off like faster than anybody I've ever fought. Like You could tell he just was looking <laughs> forward to fighting me. Uh, I don't know what that says about me, but my point is, you're the whole time, you're, like, you're, you're exhausted, you're hanging on for dear life, and all you could think is, I just want this to end so I can go to the penalty box. Like I, I stood up for my teammate. I just want to go to the box. So I can understand where Neeler's coming from, who has had to fight an unimaginable amount of times. Like, it's just not a position you want to be in because you're in front of 20,000 people. You don't want to be embarrassed. It never yeah. hurt, but it's the embarrassment, no. right? Like, your ego is coming into play. I think of Nick Paul and Tom Wilson. Like, there's no way yeah. that Nick Paul should be fighting Tom Wilson, right? And so no. you can see him just hanging on, trying to throw a yeah. couple of kidney punches in. and then. But once he knows that shit's getting real... He's hanging on. He's just like, let's just get this yeah, over with now. That's just the way it was. Yeah. So yeah. it's it was fun to hear those two nides and and Yorkie are fantastic guests and good storytellers, eh? Like I you forget yes. until you have them on and you start going back and forth. It's so much fun. I and I had more, so I just didn't want to keep them all. But there's so many things to ask about in that particular era, only because yeah. uh they were so successful. They were losing to the Toronto Maple Leafs. They had you know, the bankruptcy issues going on, there was, everything was going on around that team and they're still winning. It was a wild time to yeah. cover that franchise. That's for sure. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. before we Agreed. go, uh, part, of, part of the show brought to you by uh, Gong Show Gear. Uh, you can head on over if you want to get some WAM merchandise, go to gongshowgear.ca and take a look at all the, the stuff that we've got up there as well as uh, they've always got deals on stuff that's going on. Um, so gongshowgear.ca and a thanks to all our other sponsors, including Whitewater Beer, and uh, sports interaction. Meth, I will see you on Thursday. By the way, another guy from that era is coming on. Uh, uh, Radic Bonk, who was uh, one of the great players. He's a fantastic character. I look forward and we can have a chat about back then in the same kind of era. We'll ask about Shane Knighting and Jason York to see what he's got to say about them. Uh, until Thursday, buddy. I'll see you soon. Adios.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 